Hey guys, welcome to episode number 24 of the Jayzilla Podcast. And man, we know it's been a while. Obviously life uh, kind of gets in the way of recording these, but uh, Rick and I kind of want to get back to it and uh, get you some new guests and some new interviews. Now, if you guys were with us at Charlotte, what an awesome event that was. You know, we talk about it on this podcast all the time, and this year didn't disappoint. Uh, a little bit of a newer layout. There was some rain there. Uh, man, just an awesome, awesome entire weekend, really, thanks to our friends at the Lucky Dog Racing League. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about that tonight, and we have a huge guest tonight, Mr. Johnny Chachowski of Nine Lives Racing Wings. Uh, I'm not sure how Rick landed him, probably because he just bought a wing himself, but uh, awesome guest, some really, really cool stories. Hope you guys enjoy it, and I uh, look forward to seeing everyone at the JZLS of Summer uh, this coming September, so if you haven't yet, go ahead and sign up. So I hope you enjoy this episode. Thank you again to our friends at Valvoline. You know, I got to race, uh, I guess it was like 18 hours um, in an AOA Miata, and Valvoline came on board with that project, and every single fluid we could have in that car was a Valvoline product, and we had zero issues, uh, any lubrication issues, nothing like that. Uh, everything else was kind of driver-induced. So, uh, awesome weekend with Andrew Rains and Patrick Doherty, and thank you again to Valvoline for supporting this podcast and for coming on board for our little uh, foray into Lucky Dog Racing. So, sit back, relax, enjoy episode number 24, an interview with Mr. Johnny Chichel. The Jayzilla Podcast with Rick and Gino. guys so episode 24 now if you've listened to this podcast at all you know rick and i live for one event every year and that is jayzilla under the lights and this year it did not disappoint it was a new date we got pushed back a little bit uh for covid reasons whatever it was and so we actually ended up with a a little later date in august as opposed to our july date um but man it was still a lot of fun and uh rick so many storylines to go over here I'll, I'll try to tell you mine and, and share yours as well but um Huge, huge weekend. It's usually a one-day event. Saturdays, uh, we dominate that day. And uh, we were happy to welcome uh, some friends from the West Coast. And that was uh, Kathy and Greg from the Lucky Dog Racing League, uh, along with Jason from the Lucky Dog Racing League. Uh, they made the trip, made the commitment to come out to the East Coast to, to bring endurance racing, their style. Um, and this was an event. I, I was actually fortunate enough to be at the genesis of this last year in Indy at PRI, where it kind of came up as a, a crazy idea. Hey, maybe if we do the Saturday, um, you guys can support the weekend with a race. And it actually happened. And I was uh, fortunate to actually get the race with this. And when we knew that we were going to have the date, I wanted to do something special. So um, obviously, with my connection with AOA, I, I, I retained the car. And then I needed some drivers. And I had a really good idea to try to get some uh, some hot shoes in this car for this premier event. So uh, another than Mr. Andrew Rains, uh, professional race car driver and now founder of Apex Pro, um, came on board. And if you guys listen to our podcast, one of our first guests, Patrick Doherty, um, also with the Valvoline Connection, came on board. And uh, we did that race. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. But huge thank you to them. Huge success. Um, and obviously going under the lights, it was a little different this year because we actually had uh, moisture on the track for most of the day and uh, another friend of the group uh, Mike Gorman and open throttle track days uh, down the south um, he was nice enough uh, I actually brought one of his cars up from Jackson with his 911 uh, 4s and he brought his e92 m3 time trial car and I had access to those the entire event so I want to give a huge thank you to him but um, fun event and uh, Rick what, what was uh, some of the highlights for you well, I mean, we got to start off with the the highlight. Love it or hate it, that was a huge change to this event. Uh, probably one of the biggest changes to this event. But uh, you know, as as you outlined, just the the event that we wait all year for. Uh, you know, being in the NASCAR Xfinity garages, and you know, James has organized so that this event you feel like a pro team 
uh, whether you show up, you drive your car there or you unload a race trailer, you feel like a pro in those garages. And, uh, you know, just a, an absolute awesome track, awesome facility. But the new chicane in the back straight, um, I had the pleasure of running it twice. Uh, actually ran Thursday night uh, under the lights a little bit with uh, track night. And uh, they ran no chicanes. And, and you know, that's a adventure in and of itself. It's full throttle from the time you leave the infield till you break for the turn one. And uh, it's like two miles. It's It's pretty crazy. But we didn't run it that way. We ran it with a chicane in the back. And what I didn't appreciate, and you tell me if you knew this, it's a 90-degree left-hand turn that goes three or four lanes to the left. And then you've got to come out of there with some kind of speed to go around the banking. And I, I talked to a whole lot of people throughout the day that said, man, that first session out, I almost cut the course and had to give up the time gained. What did you think? Oh, well, you know, so I got there uh, Friday for Lucky Dog qualifying, and obviously I have a lot of time in, in the MX-5, so I told Adrian Patrick, I said, guys, uh, I'm going to take the car out just for three or four laps. I'm not going to really run any qualifying laps, but I'm just going to go bed the brakes and make sure the car feels good uh, since I'm, I have a lot of time with them. And I went out there, and I about ran through those cones because if you remember last year, that was a fast right-to-left chicane. Um, it was fun. This one here – it was a correct me. I think it's a in most cars probably a, you know a third year, maybe even a second year turn, depending on what you're driving. Um, and it to me, I really didn't like it. Um, I kind of enjoyed the fast pace um, chicane that we had last year. Uh, but hey, if this is here to stay, it is what it is. It didn't really take away from from the course any. Um, but I, I did appreciate the way it was last year. I felt like it was a little more fun, a little more challenging. Um, and and it caused some problems. And again, it's a uh, it was a it was a corner that wasn't very you know again there was some if you if you're on Facebook and you follow some of our some of our drivers some some pictures of getting close to that exit wall on the left and you know I don't want to say it was unsafe or anything but there was very little margin for error if you messed up in that chicane there was a good chance you were gonna make contact with something so um, obviously it's always a new challenge but I kind of preferred the old layout that we had last year. I agree with you overall, and and a lot of people experience this. I talked with the Black Flag team. Most of the Black Flags throughout the day were for people blowing the, the chicane cones and shooting right on through, and I know that I was personally responsible for that at least once, but uh, credit to our drivers. There were quite a few videos that, that emerged of people getting loose, clipping curbs inside the chicane and sliding uh, inside the chicane uh, chute, and Nobody did touch a wall, and, and that was uh, – oh, we had one incident there. But, you know, on the whole, it was pretty clean, and, and uh, you know, kudos to our drivers for that. But uh, as an event, man, you can't beat it. This was new, though. You mentioned the rain. Uh, that, was, that was quite a surprise. And for some of us, that meant uh, three or four tire changes throughout the day to go from uh, slicks to rain tires and back. Um, what was your experience yeah, in the rain? Because so you ran it, in the rain with Lucky Dog as well as during our weekend for for me. I mean, first of all, I, I was already running ragged. This was, uh, I think, this was weekend number eight in a row that I was at a racetrack, and so I was already kind of running thin. So I was there Friday, Saturday, and I, I tell you, the the dark part of Saturday night usually you go to the Waffle House afterwards and you kind of kick back. Well, uh, like I didn't finish the event till like 10 p.m. Saturday under the lights, and I had to race the 10 out of the next day. So uh, this was a I, when I recovered, it was a great time. But the whole weekend, man, I was running on fumes. But um, the the add more to that challenge was the track was changing every single time. Friday when I went out the the first couple laps, like we talked about, it was in the damp, and then I started the race and it was quickly drying. Uh, Saturday morning it was full dry. Uh, then we went under the lights of the track day and, and the, in different times uh, when I went out first session um, in the X5, it was completely dry and it was dry for the most part of the day. Then midday, we had a little shower and then I want to say pretty much the whole night um, it, it was in the rain. And then the following day, it was in the full dry. So, uh, man, I, I got to experience a little bit of everything. It was super challenging from that perspective. But um, I'll just echo um, kind of uh, – just drilling down to the the, the Jay Zilla event, um, Charlotte is not a fun place to race in the rain, or excuse me, to race or drive in the rain. And I made a post about it, but it's like <laughs> there's so much paint everywhere. If it, it the paint upsets the car, when the paint's wet, 
it's really bad. And then where the most pain is, it seems like there's walls there, especially going to turn one. So um, really great job. I, I ran, man, I probably ran every session where it was blue, yellow, or red in, um, in, in a different car. And I saw a lot of really good saves. Um, but I also saw a lot of people, uh, particularly at night, going really easy. And, you know, there isn't a lot of shame in that. You know, again, um, if you're a more experienced guy, and you're comfortable going out there and playing at the limit, you know, that's, that's completely fine. This is a safe environment to do it. But um, I saw a lot of people in really, you know, beautiful sports cars who, you know, I applaud them. They went out there to experience the rain, but they were really, really reserved to make sure that they got their cars home in one piece. And, you know, that's completely okay. So um, I, I guess from the, the, the big standpoint, a lot of good decisions were made. Um, but, again, it's a great uh, experience to track the experience Charlotte in the rain. I don't know if I really want to do it again, um, but hey, you know, that's all part of it. I'll echo you on both of those. No more rain at Charlotte. It was fun once, and absolute kudos to our drivers. That's what makes our whole community work, and the, the restraint and the discipline uh, among our drivers at this event really showed and made it a smooth event. We had a couple of minors, but uh, you know, on the whole, it, there was not a lot of lost track time. There were no major incidents. It was a clean event, and kudos to our community. And, and really, on that note, let's move on. The next event, right? Everybody needs their next hit. We need our next uh, excitement. And we've got preheat petite coming up. Uh, we've got this, what is it, the September 12th and 13th. It's a two-day, a Saturday-Sunday event. We've got 125 people uh, currently signed up and committed and there are still slots left uh, for all the run groups I believe including the novice school so uh, you know I, I want to make sure everybody knows that that's the next event but most of the community will be out there and uh, we'll even have the skid pad half of the day on both days so uh, each afternoon you can get some of the car control in in between your uh, run group sessions so I know you were at the last event, Gino. You might have even had the X5 on the skid pad. Yeah, you know, again, uh, what Atlanta did you think of the last Road event. Atlanta event? Obviously, it is Road Atlanta. And one thing I'll stress to everyone here, um, we are running in the novice class, like you mentioned. So, um, you know what? It goes without saying, all of our regulars are going to be there. Um, obviously, if they can swing on the schedule, they'll be there. Um, I know I'll be there. I don't know if I'm going to make it both days, but I'll definitely be there the Sunday. Um, but to all of our all of our drivers here that you know, are listening, um, if you have a friend and they've been wanting to come to one, or if you know someone who's a novice, someone's coming, this is a, this is a good event to do it. Um, I, I even say even more so than, um, AMP just because there's so much more room at Red Atlanta. We did the lead and follow there last time. I had the pleasure of, of leading that group both days. Um, with so much more room, we're going to tweak the instruction a little bit and get, get a, a smaller, uh, you know, smaller pods for this event. Um, so that's, that would be my message to you guys. Obviously everyone will be there because they know about it, but if you have a friend that wants to do it as a novice, um, or someone that's never done road Atlanta, but you, you, you've run AMP with us, um, what a good event to invite uh, them to, even if it's one day, um, uh, but definitely it's, uh, it's presented, uh, powered by AOA. So, uh, putting my AOA hat on, we're going to have a bunch of the, uh, the MX five cup cars there. Uh, you may or may not see the, the Audi there. You may or may not see the Cayman there. Um, and who knows what else we're going to bring. So, um, really good event. Definitely put on the calendar, but more importantly, invite a friend um, because obviously we see you guys every other weekend. So, Definitely. Well, guys, uh, we should get to our guest here. We've got Mr. Johnny Chikowski tonight, and uh, he's got some incredible stories to tell. A guy that's come up through uh, club racing and pro racing and now, you know, really uh, builds incredible products for the hpde and, we'll and real right racing in. communities uh it's gonna be a lot of fun to talk with johnny right, perfect. hey rick so it sounds like you landed us a pretty famous guest tonight who do you have for us rick <laughs> so we have the famous or possibly the infamous johnny chikowski of <laughs> nine lives racing welcome johnny hey guys thanks for having me i'm glad to have you you know we had a cool opportunity about a week ago to hang out at your shop and I got a firsthand view of not only uh, how wings come together, but all the other things you're working on. And I'm really excited to have you on to talk a little bit about what you do and tell a few of the stories that uh, I'm sure you've got in your memory banks. Yeah, sure. You know, it's uh, kind of stepped out of a lot of uh, different areas, so I can pretty much talk openly about it. It's going to be pretty good. 
Excellent. Well, looking forward to it. So for those of us that don't know you or don't know Nine Lives Racing at this point, what do we need to know? So Nine Lives Racing is a aerodynamics, aerodynamics company with three products. So we have our wings, which everyone calls wangs. Uh, we have our splitters, the ro- we call rocket nose. And then, of course, our CFD consultation where you bring a car to us. We go over every inch and cranny of it and try to find you as much speed as you can. Awesome. And who's your who's your target customer? Are these professional race teams? Are these uh, big shooters? Oh, you name it, up and down the up and down the pit paddock. You know, I, uh, when I was first starting this, I was kind of standing on the top. Like I, I like to tell her when I stand on top of a hill, which Road Atlanta's got a bit of a hill, and I just wanted to overlook the entire paddock. And I was like, I wanted to be able to make something for everybody here. And those are the people I built stuff for. So it's, you know, my history in professional racing, you know, so we still work with pro teams, um, you know, but mostly I'm a club racer and that's who I want to build stuff for as well. So it's, you know, wing kits for Miatas, you know, wing kits for Corvettes, you name stuff like that. Um, but yeah, you know, it's everybody that likes to turn a wheel in anger. There you go. Well, your wings and, and splitters and everything else continue to pop up at our events and, uh, a yeah. lot of people seem to be really impressed, including me, and we'll get to that a little bit later. Cool, but, cool. Uh, you want to share some of your background in professional racing prior to, to Nine Lives? So, yeah, uh, you know, I started off just as a kid asking if I could sweep some floors. And, uh, you know, I worked for a little speed shop building little Nissans, you know, 350Zs. At the time, were quite popular. And, uh, you know, I kind of realized that that wasn't going to be a cr- a path for me. I didn't, I was a mechanic in the army and I was pretty much over turning wrenches and I, uh, started just applying and I landed a job at PFC breaks and, uh, you know, it was kind of, kind of wild because my first day there, I'm like, wow, this is, this is an incredible place. You know, these, these guys do real racing and, you know, I'm like, and here I am and I don't know nothing. <laughs> and, uh, they come over to my desk, slap down a folder and they said, don't tell anybody. And I opened the folder and it's a Delta wing <laughs> and, and I'm like, I, I didn't know what I was doing before. And now I really have no clue, <laughs> you know, like this thing looks like a lawn dart and, uh, and yeah, so, you know, got in the professional racing, I was supporting the field reps, uh, with phone support. So I learned a lot about the ins and outs of professional racing, you know, what it took to be a champion, um, those kinds of things, you know, we, we won everything from, NASCAR championships, the IMSA championships, you know, like you name it, our, our brakes were on it, you know, and, um, and that kind of thing. And then uh, I left there and went, you know, job hopped a little bit, ended up at OG Racing where it was a safety company. And I kind of saw how to be successful in club racing as well, which was really big. Those guys were probably one of the biggest club racing uh, supporters out there. If you need safety gear, I still re- highly recommend them. And I learned how to do, you know, a bunch of, that's kind of where I started liking a bit more fabrication work. You know, I was working on my Miata and stuff like that and building stuff for it. And I decided I wanted to try to build a seat for it. And I, and I did. And, and I found the guys that made all the seats for all the pro teams. And with my pro experience, I started making seats too. And, you know, one thing led to another. And also now I'm making, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a welcome face in a lot of the paddocks, which was pretty cool. And, uh, and yeah, and then through that, I started, uh, got hooked up, you know, with, uh, Elon Motorsports and they were like, we got this wing if you want to try it. And I tried it and it was awesome. <laughs> you know, and, and then that's where nine lives started. Uh, you know, we kind of brought in the right people to keep that going, but yeah, so it's, I mean, it's up and down the pit paddock. I, I've, I'm pretty comfortable as long as I'm at a racetrack. <laughs> Man, club racing, pro racing, high, you know, HPDE days, you've done a little bit of everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, let, it's, me, let me uh, jump in real quick. So what's, what's the timeline on this, Johnny? Because it, it seems like huh. uh, maybe at least from the track day perspective, yeah. like uh, now it's the thing to have. Everyone has to have a Nine Lives wing. And I, I don't remember seeing that maybe three, four years ago. I mean, what was the timeline on the wing? <laughs> yeah, so the timeline on the wings was like probably about four years ago. Uh, it started. Um, and, it, and we didn't actually sell one then. It was more kind of like the idea was starting to grow. And, uh, you know, I was working with uh, the guys at Elan 
I was working on the NPO one project with them and I, I'd walk to the back of the car and I'd take a look at the wing and I'm like, I'm like, Hey, this, this kind of cool wing, you know, like it's an aluminum wing. It's, you know, which to me is, you know, I'm a club racer. So cost is real important. I'm like, Hey, my aluminum wings are going to be less money than a carbon wing. So, okay. I'm like, what, you know, what's the price on this? You know? And they told me and the, their lead engineer, was like, yeah, you got, you just try one, just buy one and we'll put it on your car and you just try it to see if it works, you know? And I was like, I was like, nah, <laughs> like, nah, <laughs> I, thinking, I had this little carbon wing and uh, kind of like what Rick, what Rick just took off his car. I had the exact same wing. And uh, so I'm not alone in my thinking on this. Oh, sure. I can do it better. Uh, I can sub, figure this out. <laughs> sub with a thousand dollar wing, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like, what else are you going to pick? And so, uh, yeah, I was like, and they were like, yeah, try the wing out, try the wing out. I'm like, nah. And I put that off for like a year and a half. <laughs> and, every, and I kept working with them. And every time I pop in there, I'd look at it. I'm like, that's kind of cool. And then they'd be like, buy one. And I'm like, nah. <laughs> and finally, <laughs> there's, uh, there's a bunch of guys on trackable Miatas where it's a Facebook group where we all kind of hang out and just kind of share setups and stuff like that. And someone was asking about uh an eBay wing. I'm like, does this eBay wing work? You know, does this, this work kind of a thing? And I was like, well, I can get this a lawn wing for like a few hundred bucks. And it was nuts. Like I had so many people trying to get a hold of me to buy one that I was like, okay, I, I got to make a website or I'll never keep this all tra in track. <laughs> and so I just went on GoDaddy and made a site just to collect addresses basically, you know, and, and I was like, Oh, okay. It'll take square. And so I it did that. I'm like, okay, well, just collect them all. And I'll ship them to you one by one. I had no idea how to even put them in a box. And, um, and I was kind of like, you know, I should probably test this thing and <laughs> you know, get all these orders. Right. I haven't shipped one yet. You know, um, I'm like, you know what, I'm going to take this thing to the track, you know, like, so I went and, and I got the, the prototype and I put it on my car and I'm like, if this thing doesn't do better than what I had, then I'll just refund everybody's money and be like, nah, just go buy that other one. You know, cause I had, at the time I had a really comfortable job. I was very happy where it was. And, uh, and so I put it on my car. I went seven miles an hour faster in a straightaway and no, it was like five miles an hour faster in a straightaway and seven miles an hour faster in the corners. So I picked up speed everywhere and I'm like, this thing is real this is intense, you know, this is a wing that's under a thousand bucks, you know, it's, it's sitting in perfect area and it, it works really well. I'm like, this is a no brainer. Let's do it. And, and that's pretty much where it started. And ever since then, it's just getting everybody kind of on board with the thinking aluminum is okay. Kind of a thing. Cause before that, nobody made it a legitimate aluminum carbon or aluminum wing. So it's like, okay, you know, so, but yeah, it's popping up quick. It's growing fast. That's incredible. Well, I, I can vouch for that experience. That's not just Johnny selling. That's exactly <laughs> what happened after I took off a, uh, another name, Carbon Wing, and put uh, his wing on. The car behaved so much better and picked up speed everywhere. So, yeah, and I think uh, I was I'm sure glad you made that jump. Yeah, I think I was like hounding you for like, what, a year and a half? <laughs> <laughs> Probably. Like, I resisted, uh, but you proved yourself at Charlotte last year. Not, not this most recent, but the year before. Yeah. Johnny walked past. I was having some trouble. Something had broken on the splitter or, or some such. And Johnny looks at me and goes, take all that shit off your car and it'll go faster. <laughs> and I thought he was crazy. He said, I promise you, you'll have one second. And I looked at it. I was like, man, I don't want to do all this. It's hot. Yeah, well, but I listened to Johnny because he was so confident. <laughs> and lo and behold, I picked up one and a half seconds. Yeah. So the man knows his stuff. Yeah. yeah it's, you know, after... After you've put, after you've been doing this so long, you kind of look at stuff and you're like, uh, no, nah. I've like, like, cause I've tried everything, especially like, like my brakes. I can tell you that, especially with my history in PFC. I, like, I was die hard trying to find the bang for the buck brake setup for the car. And I, you know, same thing with the wing. I was looking for the bang for the buck thing to, to put on the car. And I went through, oh, probably like four or $5,000 worth of brakes, like this caliper and that caliper and this bread and this, this rotor combination and trying all these different things. And I just could never make it live. And I finally broke down, just bought a PFC kit for it. And I was like, screw it. I can't take it anymore. So, but yeah, it's, so after a while, I'm like, I look at people's cars and I'm like, yeah, I've tried that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you poor race. Yeah. I'm like, Oh, you'll figure it out. Maybe in the next couple of races, I hope. <laughs>
<laughs> well, let's, uh, I mean, that's a great story about where these wings came from. Um, and I, I want to share a little bit of the experience of, of what your shop is all about, yeah. because it, it's cool to, to get to know you through this process. And you did, you hounded me for about a year and I finally broke down and bought one and yeah. man, I couldn't be happier. Um, but it, it really is neat. There's a lot of pieces to this story. And um, I, I'll just say that Johnny was uh, gracious enough to stay late one night and help me get ready for Charlotte and to put a wing on the car yeah. and uh, had, had the pleasure of coming to his shop, which is incredibly clean from the get go. Thank you. And to see you're welcome <laughs> and to see these wings, uh, you know, John, do you want to talk about the extrusion and like what this looks like when it comes to you? Yeah, that was fascinating. I had no idea. Yeah, they come to us in a 144 inch beam. So it's this huge extrusion. And, uh, you know, we we basically take a big extrusion. The order comes in for, you know, whether it be like an E36 or a Miata or a Corvette or what have you. Uh, order comes in. We see it. We cut it to size. Um, we weld the mounts on. You know, I, I'm the one who does all the welding. <laughs> and I weld the mounts on. We have a CNC in the shop that cuts all the uprights. Um, so from beginning to end, the quality control is completely controlled by us. Uh, that was something I learned uh, from PFC. It was their quality control was way too good. It was almost to a fault. It was so good. And I was like, okay, I want to, I want to be able to control it just like they did, you know? And so, and so that way we can manage our timelines and everything like that. And, you know, so every wing order comes in, we cut, we weld, we, uh, we powder coat, we box, and then we ship it all out and it all just goes right out of our little shop, you know, or in the, you know, just north of Atlanta. That's awesome. And it's all American made, all American designed. Uh, yeah. Put an American flag on that box. Right? Oh, it's, uh, yeah, we go through great pains to use an American extruder. Um, you know, every, anybody can, you know, call up an extruder and get a wing made. Uh, the, the thing about ours is it's, one, it's extruded in Gainesville, which is just 20 minutes north of our shop. Um so American workers are building it, put you know, and sending it to us. Uh, the ste- the scrap that comes off our CNC goes to Gainesville uh, Recycling Center, which then goes back to the extruder. <laughs> so even the scraps from our uprights are going back into the wings. Um, so it's this very contained American process. The other thing it does is nobody else in the world, and trust me, I've tried to find them, can get our wall thickness. So... The cool thing about the wing is that it's aluminum. Yeah, and aluminum is heavier in carbon fiber, but if you can remove aluminum, so it's very, very thin wall thickness on the uh, extrusions, and and you cannot get that from anywhere else. Uh, and trust me, I've tried. <laughs> you know, I, I like to try to have a few <laughs> suppliers just in case something goes bad. And everywhere I've sent it, they're like, yeah, can you, we can do that, but can you make it thicker? <laughs> and I'm like, no, I can't do that. I can't. I can't take a heavier one, you know, they'll, they'll never work. So, you know, it's just, it's, yeah, it's all just all in house, all, all American made. It's something I'm very proud of. That's awesome. Well, the quality speaks for itself and, and spoke for itself last weekend, yeah. despite as thin as that wall is uh, and, and beautiful and lightweight. Uh, it held up well when a tire wall grabbed it and <laughs> yanked on the uh, driver's side of my car. Yeah, you should, you should avoid those. Uh, you know, I, I try to, but, you know, I, I want to share with everybody that, that, you know, Johnny's wing held up really well. I, I rubbed a tire wall more than I should have, and it was his wing held up when the trunk lid and the surrounding deck bent on the Miata. So <laughs> I was absolutely blown away. I figured I was going to be buying another wing and was extremely pleased. Yeah, wouldn't that be funny? That, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, you get used for one a, event. A quarter of a, <laughs> three quarters of an event. <laughs> So let me, that let would me, be uh, my luck. Jump in there real quick, Johnny. So yeah, I, I know I've driven quite a few cars with your wings on. I, I've driven cool. Mustangs with them. I, I drove E92 M3. My friend Mike's actually just last week, which I was super impressed. Yeah, with yeah, Mike's awesome. That car was, um, and obviously a bunch of Miatas. So what? What in the catalog? What? What do you guys have as far as? Um, and I'm not sure how big it is. I'm not sure if you hmm. even know all of them. But what are you making wings for? Um, as kits for for cars right now? Oh, Jesus! You you sitting down? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we'll kind of take it from the top. So it's Miatas are our biggest, uh, by far, uh, you know, Miata guys. So I'm very well connected in that area. So it's, uh, you know, we sell a lot of Miata kits. Um, next followed up is E36. Uh, then the Corvette C5, C6 kit is the one after that. Then E92, E46, 
um, Porsche Boxster, uh, RX-7s for the FD, FC. Um, we just finished the Mustang S550. We got the S197. Uh, Fox body. Just finished the Fox body kit. Just and they keep coming out faster. We're doing the Supra right now. Um, I mean, I tell you, I'm probably forgetting probably about 20 or 30. <laughs> you know? and, and these are all CFD designed. You're customizing the the mounting position. So the, the, on those, there's a lot that's CFD. Like when we do splitters and things like that, those go through the CFD. So we have the in-house CFD and we, we use it to our advantage as much as we can uh for wing kits we normally build we normally skip that and we go to the rule set right because not nine times out of ten this perfect cfd location will be trumped by the by the rules of whatever class you're going into um so we we build them to the roof height so that, that way it passes grid life uh and gta rule sets um, they're as wide as the car, so it's also past NASA and a CCA uh, rule sets. And then we usually have about between four to six inches uh, hang back, which will pass uh, just about 99% of the other organizations out there. So it's uh, for wing position, it's more about rules than it is CFD optimization. And let me ask this how, how many yeah. wings do you crank out every year? I mean, I, I know it's probably year three or four <laughs> now, but like, what do, what do you do today? I mean, is it. A handful a month, or we're we've sold two thousand of them so far. Oh and, my god! Yeah, since nineteen ninety. Wow. Oh no, nineteen ninety. Since, <laughs> since uh, twenty eighteen, we've sold two thousand. So you're very cool. Yeah, I'm exhausted. <laughs> so <laughs> and and you've continued to design new products along the Absolutely, way. Absolutely, yeah. You never stop. So that's kind of the thing, you know. In this industry, there's no patents in aerodynamics, right? <laughs> and so it's you know, you can't patent a wing shape or something like that. You know, like we have rights to the die for the extrusions and we have rights to this and that, uh, rights to the name, but you can't patent it. So our only other option is to constantly innovate and constantly change your mount setups, try to make them better. You know, like our biggest claim to fame, apart from the wing, is that our tr our mounts don't screw up your trunk. Mm -hmm. Right. So that's kind of like the biggest thing is everybody's trunk gets bent. And I saw that. I'm like, well, there's a place for us to get better. You know, so constant innovation, always trying to fix a problem that someone's having, trying to make everybody's life a little easier. So in your opinion, let me ask you this. Obviously, I'm a track day guy. and I'm around yeah. a, a lot of different cars, different experience levels. At what point does somebody uh, a buy a wing? Yeah. And B, is that, is that, do you need the full package? Do you need a splitter and a wing? I mean, so at what mm -hmm. point would you say, hey, it's time for you to play with aero? And if you do, does that mean you're buying a wing only? Or are we going full aero kits? Or what's the right way to do it? So that depends a lot on the driver. I kind of say as soon as you can, um, as soon as you want the look of a wing on your car, you should definitely go for it. Um, you know, I think the, the, the first thing that everyone always kind of, is shocked about is the aesthetics right to put this big wing on on top of your car and you know if they're uh if there's somebody that's not a big racer that might not be very appealing to them you know uh but if you are a racer then put it on immediately um through our cfd we found out especially like on using using miata as example uh the miata makes a ton of lift right so every time you go out and every time you get above 70 miles an hour the body itself is actually pulling the car off the track it's pulling it vertically and what that does is it changes the handling dynamics of the car, right? So when you're, when you're learning, it actually makes the car harder to drive. So when you're out there trying to learn what throttle position, you know, uh, braking you know, pressure, you know, everything else, you know, hand motions. Now, all of a sudden, you also have to deal with the car elevating itself off the track. And so I'm like, if, you're, if you have never made a car faster to drive if you made it hard or i've never made a car faster by making it harder to drive right so i always say put it on even if it's like a little bit of downforce that's going to help you out and it's going to help you stay focused and and hopefully te you know help you learn faster on how to drive and of course you know racers are racers you know you got to put a wing on that always this day and age otherwise you'll be left in the dust 
And, and to the second point, I mean, so let's say I go and I buy a wing. Do I need a splitter also? What's the, uh, what's so, the so the jury's out on that. So the, um, my engineers hate it when you don't run a, a splitter on the car. Um, so like in our GLTC cars, uh, there, they, there's a pretty big penalty in the grid life turn cup, uh, for a splitter. Um, it's a substantial, it's like 10 horsepower hit for running one. And, uh, and so a lot of those guys just run a big wing and no splitter, which will push all your arrow balance to the rear. Right now we've had a lot of guys go out with this in imbalance and still run faster than not having a wing at all. You know, so at the end of the day, my engineers are just freaking out because the imbalance, like the, the, the numbers on the charts don't make sense and you shouldn't, it should make the car handle like just awful. But these, we found out that it's actually faster just to have uh, a wing rather than no wing at all. Um, even if it makes the car completely unbalanced on as far as arrow to the back. But yes, if you ask them, you definitely need to have a splitter on the front. You need to have your arrow balance centered. Uh, that matches your weight balance. It's kind of like the most overlooked thing in the world is that, you know, people don't look at where their weight in the chassis is. Once you figure out where that is, that's where you want your arrow balance to be. So that way, when the car starts going faster, your handling dynamics don't change. They stay the same. It actually makes it more confidence inspiring if you have that balance set right. All right. So from the driver's standpoint, I, I, I can see that. If the car feels more stable, I can go faster, even, right. if, the, even mm -hmm. if the max speed of the car isn't the same. All right. And, and, and from, a, from an aero perspective, yeah. is there a speed that, that these actually start to come to life? Or is it 45? Uh, 35 okay 45 yeah 45 okay <laughs> yeah it's funny I, I go to a lot of you know trade shows things like that and i get the had this one old dude come up to me he goes he goes wings on i'm like yeah he goes i don't go fast enough for for those and i'm like oh i can't get over 45 huh and he <laughs> like i should have ran because he was ready to punch me i'm like whoa sorry <laughs> And and so as far as the the retail side of things, um, everything's online or how do you have an actual storefront? I used to have the shop. What, what's the uh, what's the purchase experience like? Oh yeah, it's just straight online. NineLivesRacing.com is the uh, the most popular avenue by far. And of course, and we got stocking dealers as well. I like to plug. You know, um, Good Goodwin Racing is probably our biggest. Uh, they always keep a, a fresh set of Miata stuff on hand. So if you need it quick, they're they're a good place to go to. Awesome. Yeah. We've got to talk about, so I was, I had the privilege and Rick, I don't think you met, but I was at Daytona <laughs> when I saw your Miata going around there. I think someone claimed like a 203 around there. Um, Who, so me? Talk, yeah. Or Rick's what, car? Uh, your car. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, Maybe it in was, my dreams, Johnny. <laughs> <laughs> it was wild, whatever it was. So why don't you uh, kind of talk about, I guess that's your current project, or is that a Oh, my Miata? Or, yeah. That car, I've been building that stupid car for 10 years, <laughs> and, it's, and nothing on it's the same from 10 years ago. Like, it's got a whole new tub now and stuff. It's a uh, tube frame V8 uh, Miata that's gotten everything done to it that you could possibly do. It's It's a science experiment. For me, like every time I would have an idea and I'd be sitting down, you know, thinking about sending it to teams, you know, in the in the pro series, I would be like, I should probably try that out first. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like I just want to I just want to make sure, you know, because sometimes you have really great ideas and sometimes your really great ideas are completely in the wrong direction. And so I would just be like, all right, well, let's try it. Let's put it on this car. And so I put do whatever I think I was going to do to it and then go drive it. And I'd be like. I'd either be like, yeah, that's definitely good, or, oh, nope, I should just shut up. <laughs> and so, yeah, but at Daytona, we were running 201. Um, oh, my gosh. Which was exciting. And I, I screwed that lap up, too. I, I was watching the video afterwards. I was like, oh. But we were two seconds a lap off of NASA's uh, TT1 lap record, and we were... 10 seconds slower than the GT3 car qualifying at Daytona 24. So I'm like, I'm like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and, and what's the, what's the power plant in that thing? So I mean, I, I know the couple times I've seen, I think I've seen it 
twice and one was yeah. that barber when i was actually in matt's lmp3 car i was like what the hell is that Miata? yeah <laughs> yeah i think because we were yeah. like i, I remember the other one was that daytona in a tcr car i was like what the hell is that car? i remember you being behind me and i'm like oh man he's gonna pass me so quick and then <laughs> you were still behind me i was like hey, yeah. hey. <laughs> <laughs> and then i got to a turn and you're gone but <laughs> but yeah so it was it was actually funny i was at uh it's got a john bashar jr at racing ls1 Right, so it's bottom end, top end. He did the whole workup on it. Um, if you want to know who John Bouchard Jr. is, just look up Power Nation TV. He was a TV host that built motors. Um, you can see the stuff he built; he's pretty, pretty wild. Uh, but yeah, it's nothing too outrageous of a build. It's maybe 420 at the tire, so it's it's relatively low horsepower for an LS. And so it's, I mean, it's lasted almost seven years. I got spares like piling up in the corner every time I see a good deal, I buy one. And uh, I still haven't needed any of them yet. <laughs> but yeah, yeah it's, what, what, it's quick. What's the plan with that car? I mean, is, is it for uh, for NASA TT or just for a product? Or uh, well, you know, it was more, it was more just playing around. <laughs> you know, like I'd sit there and I go, okay, well, I wonder if this would work. I wonder if that would work. Okay, yeah, like you know. And then um, I started getting quicker and quicker, and and all of a sudden, like I started running, you know, just doing HPDEs or running time trials with NASA. You know, I was like, okay, well, I'm starting to go as fast as ST5 now. And then a couple of weeks later, I'm like, oh, I'm as fast as ST4. Cool. And then there's three, you know, I'm like, oh, okay, I'm now I'm beating twos really easy. You know, so I'm like, all right. And then I had to take a good hard look at it. And I was like, okay, I'm getting hit with a tube frame penalty for my subframe. And like they consider that because I have a tubular subframe, they consider the whole car tubular, uh, tubular car. And give me a penalty for it. And I was like, I'm like, well, there's two ways of doing it. Either I could put a stock subframe back in it and try to weasel that motor in there. Or I could make it a tube frame. And I'm like, all right. I mean, I'm like, I was pretty competitive with a full chassis. So that should be a little faster with 400 pounds out of it. And, and so that's what we did. Just started, just got a pile of tubes. I hung out with too many Trans Am one, uh, one and two drivers. And I uh, just started stealing all their ideas from their chassis and started putting them on Miata. <laughs> So you must have gone through phases, though, and you talk about a few weeks, but uh, we know over 10 years it wasn't just a couple of weeks. Yeah. What were the big phases? Where, where did you find the big evolutions in that car? Uh, well, so I never wanted to – like, I, I built the car just to – because I love building things. Um, it, the fi- I, But I never wanted to tune it. Right, like, and I, I never wanted to put shocks on it. I never wanted to start playing with springs because I felt like I, w- I could tune myself a lot more and tune myself as a driver a lot more than I can tune a chassis. So it was kind of like, yeah, I'd put this part on, but I really wouldn't think much about it. And I just go drive and I wouldn't touch the car. Like after a session, I'd get out of it. I'd look at my data and I'd get back in the car and drive it again. And it really wasn't until a couple, probably uh, when we got a, uh, Rob Lindsay, um, with Moreland Engineer, and the guy that does all of our CFD work, he kind of looked at it and he goes, "That car handles like shit." <laughs> I'm like, "Well, like, what?" <laughs> and he goes, "That that car is everywhere." And so he was like, "Let's let's start taking a look at it." And and that's when speed really started coming into it. I was like, "Oh, okay." Well, I, I feel like I did it the right way of training myself first, and now I'm ready to start tuning the car. Now I feel like I know where the edge of the performance is on it. So now I can take it there, and I, and it's already a terrifying car to drive with the tiny wheelbase and the big motor. But uh, but yeah, so it was the big found was finding somebody who knew about how to tune a car and then letting them do it. Like that was the that was the big one for me. Neat. What yeah. do you think had a big impact? Was it was it chassis work? Was it suspension? Was it brakes? Uh, it was never one thing. You know, yeah. it was, uh, you, you got to have balance at the end of the day. I think the biggest realization for me was balance and, you know, having the, not only weight in the car, but the right weight in the right locations. That was big. Um, and then subsequently like finding the arrow balance, making sure we have the right arrow balance in the right locations and then finding the, you know, I already knew how to do the braking stuff. That was easy. Um, but then shocks and springs, like it all just goes through all to that balance of weight in the chassis. And you just want everything to be this perfect harmony together. And it's like, okay, this is, this is the way to do it. Like now we're on the right path. 
At any point, did you feel like the car got less dramatic, almost less exciting? No. <laughs> no? It's always scared the shit out of me. <laughs> <laughs> With that much power and, as you said, a short wheelbase, it yeah. probably should. Well, So we blew a tire at Daytona at 155. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. No big deal. Oh, well, you know, was, everyone was like, oh, were you scared? I was like, man, I was scared going into the turn. You know, I was just, I was the same amount of scared when the tire exploded. You know? <laughs> well, you know, let me tell you, I, I was once having a conversation with you. I think it was at Red Atlanta, and you said something to me that stuck with me. And, like, huh. whenever I, I think of a car, and I, I think of what you said. And uh, we we're talking about your Miata, and I think your philosophy was, I think you're like the GTD cars have 450 horsepower and, and yeah. they said, you know, they're, they're the fastest things really that, you know, again, uh, to our track day guys. So, yeah. I mean, do you still believe that? I mean, you think 450 is enough because I can oh, go yeah. right now to the general motors and go buy a new Corvette with 700 horsepower, but so sure. 450 and why you think that's just the right amount or, uh, I mean, so if you look at, so I spent a lot of time in IMSA, you know, I, I think I was telling Rick about my P1 journey. Um, and it, it, I would look over those cars and I'd see them go out and I'd see them come back and and it, it would get incrementally faster every time it would go out. And and so they were, you know, I was like, okay, I'm seeing the way the guys are working. I'm seeing the way the teams are setting the cars up. You know, I'm like, okay, there's, there's a lot more than just sticking a boot full of power at it. And, and I learned that lesson mostly from when I just shoved a V8 in the car and expected it to work. You know, like I, <laughs> I'm like, here, here's, I'm going to put 400 horsepower in it. And then every time it was like winter, I'd be like, Hmm, camshaft. All right. You know, <laughs> like you, just, you forget that the thing was already a rowdy monster to begin with. And um, I'm like, okay, you know, I've, I've tried the throwing power at it and it didn't make me faster. I mean, it made me a little faster, but not terribly faster. I'm like, I needed to start doing these, the everything else. You know, so once you get power sorted, then you want to do the rest of the chassis. Uh, there was uh, kind of a side story. There was, I was working a lot with L2 Motorsports, which was the Freedom Autosports guys that run the, the, the Mazdas. And then they ran the um, uh, Mustangs for Multimatic. And I was talking with the crew chief over there and I cracked a joke when the tech inspector was coming in. I go, hey, that thing's cheated up like shit. You know, like, <laughs> and he looked at me and then he looked in the car and I was like, oh, I don't think he took that as a joke. <laughs> and, and, uh, and I looked over at Chris and he just laughs and he, I'm like, he's like, man, I've, I took so much cheated stuff up out of that car. And it went faster when we were done. You know, he's like, people don't pay attention to the little stuff and they go straight for the cheating. <laughs> and I was like, I'm like, all right, you know, like, okay, I can, I, I, I believe that that makes a lot of sense to me. Cool. So and, very cool. So let me ask you, and, and obviously kind of going back in time, yeah. relays over it. So making seats, the, yeah. define that. So like, <laughs> so the seats were, <laughs> the seats were, well, seats are silly, man. Those things are wild. So it's a it's a two part foam, and I just really want it. Like you can't find a decent seat that fits in a Miata, right? Like <laughs> I got a Sparko, and I was really happy with it, but I sat too high, and uh, you know, so I was like, man, I just looking at seats, looking at seats. The next thing I know, I looked at Formula cars, and I was like, these guys just sit on the ground. Like how does that work, you know? And so I started looking more into that, and they use this two part foam, or they use these beads to actually just build a seat, and so. I was like, huh. And so at the time I was at OG and I was like looking it up and I, I found these guys that were making it and they were called BSDI. And I was like, okay. I'm like, I looked at our, you know, at, at OG's website and I was like, hey, we sell their roll bar padding. Like, I wonder if they teach me how to make a seat <laughs> or if they make me a seat for my car. And so I went up to the North, they called them up. They're like, yeah, come on up. Let's show you how, show you how to do it. And I was like, okay. So I go up there, you know, spend a you know, solid day with them. They're training me on how to make the seats. Uh, you know, it's this two-part foam. It's this whole process. And, uh, you know, lo and behold, I left there with a seat, and it was really good. You know, I liked it. I was happy. And and then I mentioned it to somebody. I was like, yeah, I can make you a seat. You know, they got I got trained on it. And they're like, okay. So I made him a seat, and I screwed it up. <laughs> and then I made him another seat, and I screwed it up again. I probably, during the process of me learning how to make these seats, I probably spent about $20,000 of OG's money, just screwing these things up, you know, and, uh, you know, and so after a while I got good at it, you know, thankfully that, that was how I was working with a lot was the NPL one projects. Thankfully I had this NPL one, which was 
frankly, the easiest car in the world to make a seat for. And I had this fresh supply of people coming in to Alon to get seats made. So Alon called me up. I go make a seat. You know, I got to learn a whole bunch of tricks on that. And I'll say, okay, cool. And, uh, and after a while, I felt confident in it. And I started just kind of wandering around the you know, pit paddock. And I was like, yeah, I can make a seat. And they're like, can you? You know, to like one of the one of the pro teams like, yeah. And so I made them a seat. They were happy with it. And, I, and they paid me. I was like, hey, hey, it's pretty good. You know, I made a quick couple bucks here, you know. <laughs> and they just kept going on and on. And next thing you know, I'm, you know, we, I did the seats for uh, – for Mazda Team Yost, you know, I, I, I did the seats for um, for Oliver Jarvis, and he was such a princess and a pea. <laughs> like, I like call it, and I kept calling him princess. I don't think he understood the joke, but because uh, <laughs> he kept, he's like this little spot. He's like this one little spot in the seat. You got to fix it. And, it. and no matter how many times I cut the foam, it, it was always there. Until <laughs> one time, he kind of goes, "Okay, that's perfect. I got it." And I'm like, "Good." And he goes out and sets the overall lap record at Daytona. You know, like the fastest car to ever lap Daytona had my seat in it. And I'm like, hell yeah. <laughs> like, that's so awesome. <laughs> and uh, and so now I tell everybody he only was able to do that because he was sitting comfortably. <laughs> so, so is that still a part of the business? Or are you more into the wings now? Is that uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean, I still so I still do it. It's still fun. I love getting out to the track and, and making them. Um, you know, we, we work Mondays through Thursdays at the shop. So Fridays we're, we're usually going to a track anyway, uh, but not every week. So I usually try to schedule them then. And yeah, I'll just go out and make them. It's, it's, it's a riot. I, I get to meet a lot of interesting people. I think that's the, the, the biggest draw to it. It's just so much fun. The, the weird names I meet, you know, I, I met Tony Dreezy like three days before he tried to kill Amy Schumer or whatever that girl's name is. Tony, if you, if you get a chance, Tony Dreezy. Uh, is a very um, upstanding uh, gentleman uh, who will, on a light switch, flip the shit out. <laughs> like he will, he will just get so mad. Yeah, um, like when I when I worked with him, I was like, oh, you know, this guy's really cool, really nice, level-headed. He wasn't a pain in the ass to work with at all, you know. And then next thing I know, I'm watching the Trans Am one race, and he's like ramming the snot out of Amy, knocking her off the track. <laughs> you know, he, he got himself a one-year penalty uh, suspension from Trans Am, which is not easy to do. <laughs> For this, I just look it up. It's it's he had the big straight out of Compton stickers all over his car when he was doing it. It's definitely <laughs> worth a watch. <laughs> it's wild. So, what's the lifespan of one of these seats? How long does somebody normally keep a seat that you built? Uh, it depends. You know the um, the, like the Mazda team probably already has made another seat. They kind of go through different seats every few races. Um, the, but for like the regular club racer, it'll last the life of your car. I still have a, the seat in my car that, uh, BSCI made like six years ago. So it's, uh, you know, it all depends on usage. Really. Got it. Yeah. So, so let's say I go buy a new LMP uh, two guard tomorrow and I call you and say, hey, come make me a seat. Yeah. For a pro guy, just off the off the cuff, what do you think a a, pro, a seat by Johnny runs? Oh, the price of it? Yeah, it depends how big a pain in the ass you are. <laughs> <laughs> well, say I'm like Rick and I'm a big pain in the ass. Uh, sixty or seventy thousand dollars. <laughs> wow. I, I'll give you one. I mean, that's no, a nice seat. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Okay. There's this I'll little get... spot there, Johnny. I'm, I'm going to need yeah, you to take right. care of this little spot. Like one seat a year, done. <laughs> like I'm good. <laughs> uh. No, it was. Uh, I'll tell you the story of P1, right? And the, I love this story so much. It was such a, a big moment for me. So I, I was working the Petite, and I had just left OG, and I was just starting Nine Lives, and and Nine Lives was making enough money to support me, but I was still like really super paranoid about you know money coming in because I'm like, man, I've never not had a job before. So I was just out there hustling like nonstop hustling. I was wearing myself out and I go to the petite and I started, you know, offering people to make seats and, you know, all this stuff and going up and down the pit paddock. And, uh, you know, I see these guys making a seat in a, in a GTD car. And I was like, wait, and they were using the wrong foam. They're using the yellow foam, uh, which is like boat foam. It's a, it's really cheap. It's like 60 bucks for a kit. Um, but if you mix that stuff with gasoline, it's napalm. So you don't want to use it in a race car. And so uh and so I walk up to him like, hey, you guys look like you're not having 
a great time. If you need somebody to make a seat, here's my card. I hand them the card. And uh, they're like, oh, we got it. I'm like, all right, cool. I walk up and down the line again. I did a seat for uh, ESM Patron. Um, and I, that was where I met Timo Bernard. And, you know, Timo actually knows me by name now because I've made so many seats for him after that. Um, but uh, so I, I made a seat for them. I get home. I'm like, hey, made a couple bucks. Cool. Kick off my shoes. Crack a beer. And uh, and like at 9 o'clock, I get a call. And, I was, and it was P1. And they're like, hey, can you come down and make us a seat? <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, well, when they're like in 45 minutes, <laughs> I'm like, well, I gotta get through traffic, but I'll try, you know, and I live seven minutes from Atlanta. So I just jump in the car, shoot back over to the track, jump out, go down there, make him a seat, like just put it back in the car for them to go out for nighttime, uh, night qualifying. And the owner comes back in and goes, oh, this is the greatest seat I ever had. It's the greatest seat. I'm like, oh, cool. You know, I'm glad, glad you like it. He's like, yeah, it's, it's, this is awesome. This is awesome. I'm like, All right, cool. You know, enjoy the race. Have a good one. They're like, cool. And they leave. And I get a call from them about two weeks later. And they're like, hey, we want you to come down to Miami and make a seat. And this time, you know, I got nine lives. Is roll, like, it's rolling. I got wings to ship. And I'm like, man, like, I don't want to go to Miami. You know, like, I don't, even on a good day, I don't want to go to Miami. And so I'm like, I'm like, I, I'm like, I, I got to, if I go down, I got to charge you uh, mileage. And they're like, okay. Like, oh, shit. You know, I'm like, and hotel rooms. And they're like, all right. I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> you know, like, I don't want to go to Miami. <laughs> I worked this bill up to like $5,000, you know, just trying to get them to say no. <laughs> and they go, okay. I'm like, sounds like I'm going to Miami, <laughs> you know. So I go to Miami, make them, uh, make them a seat, fly home. You know, they paid for all that. I was like, nice, you know, cool. Like two weeks later, I get another call from them. And I was like, no, nah, like, I got wings to ship. I can't go to Miami again and make seats. They're like, we just need you to make two more seats. And I'm like, and I worked that one up to like $7,000, just trying to get them to say no. And they're like, okay. I'm like, like I'm going to Miami. So I fly back down to Miami, make them two more seats, come back. Um, and it keeps going on like this. You know, and every time I, I'm like, man, they haven't said no. So I'm just going to find out where the ceiling is. I'm just going to play this game. And, uh, and I kept raising my price, like, and not by a little bit, like doubling the price every time, seeing how long it would take until they say no. Because at the end of the day, Nine Lives is working so well that I, I really, it, it hurts to leave at that point. And it really it would have to pay for me to, to go. They kept saying, yeah, yeah, yeah. Go. And they would fly me to these tracks, fly me to this place, fly me to that place, you know, making them seats. I'm like, how do you guys keep running out of drivers? <laughs> you know, they, they could be tripping over seats by now. And, uh, you know, I, and I go down to Sebring and it was a little bit weird at Sebring. And I made them seats down there. Like the there was a bunch of crew guys that got laid off that I was kind of like oh that's weird I thought they were doing a real good job you know kind of a thing I'm like huh and they go hey we need you to make a seat for us at VIR in two weeks I'm like yeah yeah that's fine I'll I'll meet you up there and uh, I go to VIR to go hang out with uh, uh, with some of my buddies up there you know Kenton Cook was one of my you know one of my racers and he goes hey um, did you hear about P1 I'm like mm, hear about what they I was just I just saw him. And they're like, no, Medicare scam. I'm like, what? He's like, yeah, check in on that. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you know, I'm like, weird. And so I, I Google the team owner, and he was in an alleged uh, Medicare scam. Uh, so so I kind of helped you connect the dots a little bit. So his business was mailing medical supplies. Um, and, you know, So you get a call from somewhere, and he'd mail you a knee brace, or he'd mail you medicine or whatever. That's That was his deal. The doctor that was arrested on this Medicare scam, which was a uh, South American call, uh, call center, would call people in America and then ask them if they wanted a knee brace. And regardless if they said yes or no, they would transfer him to this doctor, and the doctor would allegedly write him a prescription for a knee brace. Um, there was some other stuff going on. Somebody <laughs> said that uh, there was uh, like doubling the cost of Medicare and all this other stuff. But I think at the end of the day, it was some obscene number, you know, something like, I want to say something in the billions of dollars of the scam. Um, and the doctor that was arrested lived like four blocks, you know, like four blocks from the shop. <laughs> and so I'm like, Oh wow. <laughs> you know, like, And I think, you know, and so don't quote me on it, but I think, uh, they were actually using me to hide some of the money <laughs> that was getting that was going through. 
to make it less apparent to like to feds or something like that right i mean this is all alleged this is not none of it's been proven but i think that my theory is that they were like i was me increasing the price on them all the time was doing them a favor <laughs> you know like i was helping them hide their their, their expenses i was like and after it was over i was like oh and i'm like i don't know if anybody if you guys know what what level five was the payday scam, the payday loans yeah yeah so that guy in everybody that worked with that guy said the same thing they said about this team that they absolutely loved him like he no matter what you said you wanted to get paid he would pay you that and he would do it with a smile there was never a problem with it and i was like i'm in the middle of a, of a five star scam like <laughs> like this is a definite check in my <laughs> check box off of my things i want to be involved in in motorsports you know like <laughs> like the things that like the guys that used to fly like allegedly fly drugs into the to road atlanta and land on the back straight and then load them into race haulers and then transport them across the country like that like like that stuff's that stuff's so cool <laughs> you know i'm like no and now i'm involved in it like this is so badass <laughs> you know and uh and thankfully they did that because that's what bought us our cnc equipment <laughs> so i I, na I named our router uh p1 so if you look on the side of it it's got a big p1 on the side and their and their logo <laughs> i'm like I'm like thanks guys you're the best <laughs> you know Johnny, you are officially living the oh, racer's dream. You have illicit money. You've got your own racing business, and you got a wild race yeah. car. You have checked. All I know. The I'm kind of like looking friend. for more boxes to check. You know, <laughs> I'm like what else can I do? What is the next? I don't box know. To check? I'm always looking for it. You know, like that one. I didn't think I'd ever like wanted that box to be checked but when i did i was very happy about it <laughs> well you, you don't want to be involved you just kind of want to be involved so. yeah you know I, I was i was under the tent <laughs> you know i wasn't had nothing to do with it don't send me a jail but you know i was i was close <laughs> you know i'll take it so obviously being real generous your time tonight. before we kind of wrap everything up yeah. with your interview i do want to ask uh, so so we've talked about johnny the the business owner johnny the, the race engineer Let's start with Johnny the driver for a second because oh, no. we kind of mentioned that you're you're driving your own cars really fast. Yeah. Um, and so to like do a, a two and one a Daytona, no, no matter what you're driving, I mean, like I said, you're going 160, 170 miles an hour. So yeah. where did Johnny the the race car driver get kind of his skills? And maybe talk about that a little bit. Uh, this is skills. Um, I was always a lead foot. Um, growing up, I had you know motor. I grew up on a dirt bike, and the thing only had wide open throttle or off it was the only two speeds it had um and then i got in the car you know i had motorcycles i got you know i got uh we used to ride like our hair was on fire uh i remember sitting in the california desert on my cbr 954rr with this the with the rpm limit bouncing or the uh the speedo bouncing around where it's going 175 174 175 174 and uh and I loved, I just love going fast, and and I got so many flipping tickets. Like I'm glad I lived through it. And just one day uh, up at Autobahn, um, they just go, "Hey, we're gonna have an open free track day." You know, it, at, at the time I was like, "Oh, free track day!" Like, wow, I'd love to try that. And it was really just parade laps, but with a faster pace car, right? And uh, I. I went and I did it, and I was absolutely hooked. After that, I was like, I got to do this. I got to build a car to do this, you know, and I started getting into autocross, and, you know, Wendy City Miata Club was the first place I went to, and if still, I will hand on heart, the best autocross organization you could ever possibly run with is those guys. It's just amazing the amount of runtime that you get. Um, they run it perfectly. Uh, right up there, you know, started uh, knocking off the little regional championships, you know, they had, and doing that really well and then uh when i left illinois you know left chicago and went to move to charlotte the autocrosses there really sucked and so i was like all right well that sucks but nasa down there is really popular so i started hanging out with those guys and doing their hbd program worked myself up you know uh i tried my best to to act cool and get sponsors <laughs> you know like everybody does and just just kept plugging away at it and finally now it's now I feel like I'm actually kind of fast. Like I can, I feel like I can hold my own with a lot of people. Um, and yeah, that's, that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Just kind of work that ladder. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, Rick, I think uh, Johnny's really uh, kind with his time tonight. Anything you want to wrap up with, uh, Rick? <laughs> Rick, are you there? Great <laughs> stories, man, and, and thank no you for problem, man. Oh yeah, and if anybody, if you guys catch me at the track, I got, I got. I, when I was a young man, I always thought, like, like I had a, this boss, and he was a, he was a very cool dude. He had a lot of stories for everything, and I always thought, like, man. I just want to have good stories in my life. And so if you guys are at the track and you just want to hear something else, just give me a shout. You know, come on by. You know, sit by the car. I'll, I'll come up with something. You know? And you're, you're like always at the track. You, you live the dream. Like every time I'm somewhere, you're always there. So that's yeah, cool. yeah. You know, you know, it's weird. I, I'm very, uh, um, how would you say, I'm very shy. Does that make sense? So like when I'm out in the general public, I don't like talking to anybody. I don't, I don't <laughs> like, I don't like normal people. I find they're very weird, <laughs> you know, and I, and I can, I don't like, I just don't like it. But when I'm at a track, it's like, those are my people. Now all of a sudden I feel comfortable. This is where I'm at. You know, this is, these are my, these are my people, you know, so now all of a sudden I'm comfortable and now I can open up and talk with people. So, yeah, awesome. that's, that's where I, that's where I go. That's where I go to feel normal as a human being. <laughs> And so for our listeners, all of our Jason people that want to buy or investigate a Nine Lives Wing, um, who, uh, where do they go? What do you recommend? Uh, NineLivesRacing.com, number one. Goodwin Racing, number two. Um, I'm sure there's a few I'm forgetting, and I'm really sorry for doing that. Uh, but, <laughs> yeah, that's the, that's the places to go. You know, uh, Trackable Miatas on Facebook is the uh, official Nine Lives page, so. That page made us, and then we wound up somehow acquiring it. I didn't buy it. <laughs> it was, like, given to us. Um, and so uh, let's, you know, just go to Trackable Miatas, throw your questions up there. That's that's the Miata page that, that, that recommends Power Stop, the Power Stop break it all the time? Yes. Okay. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that was uh, – <laughs> We like to have fun. It's a very sarcastic page. I do my best to like eliminate people that are just jerks, <laughs> you know. Like, but if you're insanely sarcastic and just like to have a good time, then that's very welcome, you know. But if you come out swinging for the fences, calling people idiots, you're gone. So it's uh, yeah, it's 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 a fun place. I like, I enjoy it. Awesome. Well, Johnny, you're a fantastic sponsor of the group. If I'm not mistaken, I think you've actually like employed some of the people in the group at the same time. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, the it, uh, it's really great to you can find helpers all the time <laughs> and and employees and things like this. All of this right at the track, and they, it, you know, I've, I've t- I have a friend who runs a restaurant. He's like, man, I can't find anybody to work here. I'm like, man, I got them out the door. <laughs> like everybody. <laughs> You know, I'm like maybe no one wants to wash your dishes. You know? Awesome. Well, Johnny of Nine Lives Racing Wangs, I guess it is. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, I please. can't wait to see you and your crazy Miata back at the track. And uh, obviously, anybody that wants to win, please hit them up. And uh, again, just a great sponsor of the group and a uh, really cool racing guys you guys have heard tonight. Uh, thanks for having great us. Great to guys. chat with you, Johnny. Thanks fun. for coming on. <laughs>